1: Squared Circle Radio, with your main eventers, Jason Martin, David Reed, and Brandon Haggerty.
0: Welcome in. Happy Thanksgiving to you. From all of us to all of you, this is Squared Circle Radio. This is being recorded the day before Thanksgiving, so you're probably hearing it over your holiday. Last time we chatted with you, a lot was going on, but so much has happened since the last time that we have done this show. And we were trying to figure out when we should do It, it didn't make any sense to try and do it over the weekend with TakeOver happening on Saturday and, of course, Survivor Series on Sunday and Corey Graves happening during this time frame as well and obviously CM Punk and what happened on Tuesday night with him on, and just everything that's going on, the crazy NXT show on Wednesday and a weird AEW show that had some highs and some definite lows, I thought. But pro wrestling is just absolutely bonkers right now. It's not a new development, I would say, but... Again, we don't have David Reed just because, again, we're kind of trying to piece it together and figure out exactly the best way to do this. And with the shortened week and all that, getting space and time and everything else has been a bit of a bear, a bit of a challenge. But I do have Brandon Hagany from out in New Mexico. And I'm Jason Martin. He's at Hack Haney. I am at J Mart Zone. First off, Brandon, uh, thanks to everybody who joined us over the weekend on Saturday or Sunday in the Google Hangout. Uh, We had a good time with that, had a really good turnout, I thought, on Sunday. I wasn't a part of it Saturday, I couldn't watch that show live, but Sunday night in particular, I thought that conversation was good, and I I like it better than Twitter, because it just seems like we're in our own little world, and we don't have to see everything else that's going on.
1: Yeah, I thought the hangout was great. I think we had something like uh, 60-something, more than 60 people on the Survivor Series one that we did on Sunday, which was a pretty tremendous jump from what we were doing at AEW full gear. So, uh, if you were in that hangout on Sunday, big, thank you. It was a tremendous conversation. I think everyone pretty much had a great time.
0: Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of positivity there. And I mean, there were some people that were being a little snarky and I guess we're known to do that from time to time as well. So there was so much that was going on. I don't even know where to start, whether it's takeover or whether it's the weekend as a whole or whether or not it's the Corey Graves situation. But just to start positively, can we talk about, and it shouldn't be a surprise, but as you've heard more since the weekend, you can see what we kind of all saw on Sunday night, which is there are reports from people that you would trust that Vince McMahon gave Keith Lee a standing ovation in the back during Survivor Series. Absolutely loves him. You know, all of the, uh, but he's big. I mean, he's a bigger guy. So if there was somebody that was going to get that kind of rub from a Vince McMahon mindset, it was going to be a Keith Lee. Good news in this case is I'd be pushing Keith Lee too because I think that dude is awesome on a number of different levels. And I also think, and I mentioned this in the Hangout, this is a black professional wrestler who doesn't have any kind of a weird outlandish gimmick. He's just a badass. Like it, 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 And that, to me, is the kind of progress that you want to see. You don't have to throw these guys into all of these you know, strange gimmicks. I mean, you have some that have really taken them and done good things with them. But Keith Lee's just this big dude that does a lot of cool stuff and seems like he's got swag for days. He can talk. He can get over. And you don't have to throw all this stuff at him. You don't have to turn him into any kind of a sideshow. That dude's got main event potential just straight out of the gate.
1: Yeah, just on, like, strength and power and, like, I mean, there's really nothing about him that doesn't scream main event guy, like, to be honest with you. I mean, maybe you could say I haven't really seen him cut promos. Uh, I'm not saying that he can't do it. I just haven't seen him do it, and, and the NXT hasn't really asked him to do that very often from what I've seen. But in terms of, like, in-ring work, the guy has everything. I mean, there's nothing he, he has. He's believable in terms of being massive. He's got huge strengths, but he can also do the athletic things that all of the smaller guys can do. There's nothing that that man cannot accomplish uh, inside a ring. Like it's just, it's phenomenal how good that guy is.
0: Yeah, I think the comparison that I continue to hear is that Vince sees him as a better version of Bam Bam Bigelow, and Bigelow was another guy that okay. was big, but he would hit moonsaults and he would hit stuff. And he seemed to be really athletic and and honestly was a solid worker. I think Keith Lee's ceiling is higher than Bigelow, even though Bigelow had that unique look. But, yeah, I mean, you haven't heard Keith Lee say much because he hadn't had to. There are some characters that don't have to cut promos, that don't need mouthpieces and don't need bad scripting and don't need dog costumes on SmackDown and don't need all of these things. You just bask in his glory. Like, that chant is so right for that character because you just watch him and all he does is just kind of close his eyes and let it all kind of sink in and just absorbs the power from the crowd and it's this, it feeds on itself and it doesn't require much work. All you have to do is just let that guy be that guy and I think you've got a very, very solid near main event level guy. Now, the question is how long is Vince going to leave him alone? In NXT the good news is he wants to win on Wednesdays badly and if there was one thing that you saw all weekend long it was we want to make sure that NXT looks so good coming out of this weekend that you're gonna watch on Wednesday nights and beat AEW because it's bothering him clearly that they're not because NXT was without question the star of the weekend even though you can nitpick Roddy strong basically stealing a pinfall and Rhea Ripley weirdly needing help that didn't make sense in that match, but, I mean, you still had Shayna Baszler at the end, who they really like a lot, and you had Keith Lee, and you had Rhea Ripley. The stars coming out of the – and you had Adam Cole, and that match with Pete Dunne was phenomenal on Sunday night. You – the stars coming out of the weekend were the NXT stars. It wasn't anybody from Raw or SmackDown that elevated themselves.
1: Obviously, we would have liked to have seen Keith Lee win that match, but the way the night was going with NXT sort of picking up Obviously, they won the women's match. They won a couple of other matches. Roderick Strong, as you said, sort of stole a victory in the triple threat. So you knew Raw and SmackDown were going to pick up. It wasn't going to be a clean sweep for NXT, but it was pretty cool to see Keith Lee and Roman Reigns, like Keith Lee getting that moment with Roman Reigns at the end. And uh, and like you said in the Google Hangout, getting the rub and the respect spot from Roman Reigns after the match. That's gonna That's going to do wonders for Keith Lee.
0: Yeah, and Roman... He didn't get booed the way he would have gotten booed in that same spot a couple of years ago. Not because everybody loves Roman Reigns, but I think that they've just accepted Roman Reigns. And I do think that leukemia probably benefited him to some extent. And the other thing that benefits Roman Reigns is he's not Seth Rollins. And we first guessed this. When, when Seth went after Osprey and started defending WWE full-throat on social media and made a jerk of himself, he was going to lose the fans that had gotten him there the hardcores that wanted to see him because of how good a worker he was and what they thought that he could be, how he was the next Shawn Michaels or whatever it is, you know, Bret Hart or whoever it is that you wanted to compare him to, he was on that level. When he started just being a corporate yes-man, he lost that support. And without that support, those are the people that are buying tickets right now are those people. And so they're just sitting there booing everything that he's doing, and at least they figured out on Monday night – okay, maybe it's time to actually make this turn. Even though he was working like a babyface in the ring, everything he was doing was very heelish.
1: Yeah, he hasn't changed anything about his in-ring style, at least from that match we saw on Monday with Kevin Owens before Authors oh, of Pain interrupted it. But, yeah, I mean, Rawl, if we're kind of switching gears a little bit here, like Rawl was actually good to me for the first time in a very long time. And it started with that first segment that opening segment, the town hall segment with Seth Rollins in the ring, where they sort of leaned into the criticism that Seth Rollins has gotten from all angles since he became, since WrestleMania, honestly, and he became sort of that WWE wacky and stooge. Like, they basically just brought that character, which isn't a character, is what Seth Rollins has been doing for the last four or five months, and put it on television. And, like, you can say that WWE was planning this all along. I'm not going to believe that for a second because we know how Vince McMahon and this creative team operates these days. Like, it probably, to me, Vince McMahon got tired of hearing the reactions to Seth Rollins, which were pretty much just, like, murmured boos. Like, he wasn't getting booed out of arenas. He wasn't getting cheers at all. And they finally just decided to lean into what the criticism was. And, yeah, they kind of, at least for one night, they struck gold on it.
0: Yeah, and hopefully they'll be able to build on that and they won't be wishy-washy about it. They have to realize what they've got now with Seth, which is not somebody that's going to get the cheers that you thought he was going to. You booked him poorly. You booked him with Baron Corbin for a long time, and then you put him in a fiend program where you had him crying in the corner because Bray Wyatt put on a mask. Speaking of the fiend, the fiend and Daniel Bryan happened. And it was better than Seth Rollins, but I'm still, I'm out on this. I'm totally out on this because I think it's so illogical and it's so hard to deal with. The red light makes it 50 times worse. But even though this was better, no question about that, than the Seth match was, and I didn't watch the one in Saudi Arabia that may or may not have happened, but the one that I saw in Hell in a Cell is one of the worst main events I've ever seen from WWE, If that's the best you're gonna get, if DB got the best out of the Fiend that we're gonna get, and if indeed we're building, as we probably are, to the Fiend and Brock Lesnar, at some point, unless we're doing the Fiend and Roman Reigns, which I think would be a gigantic mistake for WrestleMania, this ain't it for me, man. Like I'm, that's a no from me, dog, on the Fiend. Like I'm, I'm done here.
1: Last time we did this show. Uh, we talked a little bit about Orange Cassidy. Yes. So we brought up kind of something that I said uh, a few months ago or maybe six weeks ago or whatever, where I said that I wasn't a fan of Orange Cassidy. It's just not for me. And that I had turned a 180 on it by the time we talked last week. I'm kind of the exact opposite on The Fiend right now because The Fiend was a character that I was extremely optimistic about when it first started. Like, I was – of the three of us, I was probably – The one that enjoyed Firefly Funhouse more than any other. And this, they have, they've ruined it. Like they, it's it's exactly what we thought would happen. As soon as WWE got their hands on it, as soon as Bray Wyatt wasn't the one controlling the creative, they ruined it. And that match on Sunday was fine. It was like a decent SmackDown main event on, that you would see on television. But yeah, when you bathe it in red light and it makes it so difficult to see what's happening in the ring. It's completely unnecessary and like you said, makes it 50 times worse.
0: Yeah. And then the other title match on the show was Brock and Ray, and there are varied opinions to this. A lot of people really liked it. A lot of people in the pro wrestling media really liked it. I didn't see it that way. I I thought Survivor Series was a was an average show. Like I thought there were some things to like about it and some things that didn't necessarily click. But that did not click for me. I did not think that the whole Dominic thing for a minute was so good and these comeback and this comeback at the end was so good and then Brock just won and that's it. Like if Brock's gonna be dominant and win, then that's fine. I don't know why you have to then do the comeback the way that you did. You might as well just have Ray get some offense in here and there and then beat him as opposed to the way that they did this. This thing went seven minutes. I this was very low end to me as to what this could have been considering what we've seen Brock do against smaller opponents, whether it's Finn Balor or AJ Styles or Daniel Bryan, those are probably the three best matches I can remember him having in a long stretch in WWE. And I mean, other than maybe Goldberg at WrestleMania, but this one just, I didn't buy Ray was going to win. Some people did. I thought that was insanity going in, not that he shouldn't, but that there was no way that that was going to happen. But this match, to me, was just, ugh. Like, I was just ready for When it was over, it's just like, okay, great. That was a huge letdown. Let's move on.
1: Yeah, the if the formula for this match was his last two Survivor Series matches, which were, was it AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan the well, last two years? Yeah, they didn't really follow that formula. Like, I if you, it was basically like they tried to like cut everything in half because i think those those other two matches were 15 20 minute matches this was just 7 minutes and it felt like really it felt kind of rushed like i felt you could have you could have gotten the you probably could have extended the heat a little bit you could have extended the comeback a little bit i didn't have a problem with uh dominic being out there cuz dominic's been such a big part of the story and pretty much the only reason Rey Mysterio came back was to get Dominic a foot in the door with WWE. Sure. So so it, like that makes sense. Like I just felt like
0: just felt like it was abrupt and then it was done.
1: Yeah, like it, I felt like you could have extended it.
0: Yeah, I mean that that was it. It's not I didn't have any problem with Dominic being involved. You knew he was gonna be involved. It was just like he got involved, they did two or three spots, he hit that two six one nine, that double six one nine, then they came off the top with the splashes. Brock kicked out, caught him in an F5, and that was it. It was like, I mean, okay, I guess that's cool. I'm sure that Ray was happy to work with his son, and I'm sure his son was overjoyed to be a part of that. But that didn't do anything for me. And then Ray, of course, had a really great segment on Monday's Raw. As you talked about, you enjoyed that show. And Ray's been really good throughout this kind of build to this Brock program. It just feels like you could have done more with that as opposed to giving time to other things that maybe. It didn't click for another thing. I didn't think clicked from Survivor Series was the main event. If that's what you were going to do with the main event, I don't know why you main evented with that. Because, one thing, if you're going to put Shayna over, put her over, don't let Becky then leave her laying at the end of the show. Like, all that did was make sure nobody was over. Because it's not like that made Becky more popular than she was to begin with, she already had whatever it was that she was going to have. If you're going to build Shayna because she's slated to have a huge 2020, which is what you're seeing everywhere, then go ahead and do that. And you mentioned in the Hangout, and you weren't alone, that a lot of people thought this was a spot for Ronda Rousey. She doesn't come out, but nothing else of note happens in this match. And the crowd's pretty much dead throughout much of this three-way. And it doesn't click in the ring. It's a little ugly to start with. And then when it ends, what a flat way to end that show.
1: Yeah, and you you kind of – I think you're being nice when you called it ugly in the early beginning. Okay? I, I tweeted on Sunday night the gif of whatever Bailey was trying to do in the corner where she ran from corner to corner and did like a sunset flip, but she just flipped herself into the turnbuckle. Yeah. Uh, if anybody, seriously, at us on Twitter, at Zone Wrestling – Tell me what she was going for there because (laughs) I have watched that clip so many times since Sunday, and I still cannot figure it out. I don't know what she was going for there. But, yeah, it's just like if you're going to main event with that show, like something about it needed to be special. Like that was just a, a, a pretty mediocre, and I think I'm being kind with that, a pretty mediocre triple threat. And it feels like you just main-evented that just to say, hey, we main-evented with the women. Like, oh, yeah, well, it
0: was. It. I mean, I think you went it, well, You went with it because Becky Lynch was in the match, and she's your marketable star. She's on the front of your video game and all this kind of stuff. And the other but thing is— she's
1: not on. she's not on Raw the next
0: night. Exactly, and that's a good point. But think about this. What would you main-event with based on the finishes they went with? It's not like Brock and Ray was going to end the show red-hot. It's not like The Fiend to Daniel Bryan was going to end the show red-hot. They didn't have anything booked in those top three matches that was going to leave you super excited. I was super excited for Survivor Series to come to a close just because I was excited about the Broken Skull sessions with The Undertaker.
1: I probably would have main evented with the men's uh, Survivor Series match.
0: The five-on-five-on-five? Yeah. With no stakes?
1: I mean, was there any? There wasn't any stakes in the triple threat. That that's true. The with. women's
0: match had no Yeah, you're right. I mean, didn't go with one of the title matches, but booked something more interesting than that. It just seemed like it was a very. I read that it was a very newsworthy, noteworthy. A lot of things happened on this show. They must have seen something different than I did, because that's not how I took this show at all. I took this show as it was pretty good in the ring. There were some things that came out of it that were interesting. Like Keith Lee, I think, was probably the star of the night, along with Adam Cole and, and Pete Dunn, who ripped the house down. I mean, absolutely ripped the house down in that match. To the fact that a lot of people in the crowd even didn't know who they were when it started, and they were on their feet by the end of it, which is the mark of a great wrestling match. It's guys that you that aren't household names yet getting you invested in their match as it's going on. But It's
1: kind of disappointing for Chicago.
0: Yeah, honest, you're right.
1: Because, um, like, yeah, you could say that the crowds are different for a WWE pay-per-view and an NXT TakeOver, but Adam Cole's been the face of NXT for the better part of a year and a half now. And just two years ago, Pete Dunne had a match of the year with Tyler Bate in oh, yeah. that same building at TakeOver Chicago. So if those yeah, it's true. If the fans – If those fans did not know who those two people are, that's kind of on them at that point.
0: But what a great match that was. Um, Just just absolutely awesome stuff. I figured out that he was going to do the Panama Sunrise on the apron, and I still couldn't believe it when he actually did it, and neither could anybody else in the crowd.
1: With, Adam Cole deserves an extra zero yes. in his paycheck for what he did Just over the over, last yes. seven days. It's incredible. Because we're recording this on Wednesday, so we go back seven days, and you go back to that ladder match that he had. With Donovan with Dijakovic. Dijakovic yeah. on NXT, and then you go to war games on Saturday, and then you go to that match he had with Pete Dunne on Sunday. Like That dude was the MVP. If not... Like, we could talk about Keith Lee and Rhea Ripley being the MVP of the weekend. Adam Cole was the MVP of the week.
0: Adam Cole is, and we, look, this ain't a shock to us. We had that dude on Sports Trend. I've been paying attention to him very closely since that point and maybe even a little bit before when we saw him at Best in the World, at Ring of Honor Best in the World. I started to take note of him when he was here at the fairgrounds. That dude's got absolutely everything. Absolutely everything. He's got the mind. He's got the work ethic. He's got the drive. He's got the talent. He knows how to put together a match. He is a good heel, really good heel, with two phenomenal catchphrases that are the easiest things in the history of the world to get over. Everything about him is money. Only problem is he's not big enough. That's the only thing that scares you about him. But you have to think Vince likes him because they did put him over Daniel Bryan on TV. Uh, that I don't think would have happened if he had some problem with him. I mean, you look at Adam Cole and then you look at a guy like Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle has not been made to look that good. The other guy I thought they dropped the ball with the Survivor Series was Walter because he's such a unique character that's so awesome in the ring and just everything that he brings is so different and stands out because it looks so different. I don't think that that's the guy that should have gone out first. In that match, and I don't think the fans did either based on the fact that they booed WWE out of the joint when he got beat.
1: This is a guy who has run roughshod over NXT UK. Like That group has completely like had a reign of terror on that show. And the two times that we have seen Walter on quote-unquote main roster television in the lead-up to Survivor Series, Monday Night Raw, the one that they taped in London... Where he comes out and has a a match, if you can call it that, with Seth Rollins that gets interrupted inside three minutes and turns into a six man tag that goes nowhere, and then he he's the first person eliminated in the men's survivor series match, like like they didn't just handle him poorly on Sunday, they handled him poorly then too, like the tw- the two times that you have seen him on main roster television. Yep. You would have no idea what Walter is capable. Of.
0: That's right. It's it's like you don't even know. It's like Vince doesn't even know who he is. Like they have no, like he's never even laid eyes on him before. The way he treated him is like, oh, he doesn't have that great a body, so we're not going to push him. Like that's that's how it felt. I will say, there was certainly ups and downs on Survivor Series. weren't a whole lot of ups and downs on Takeover. Nope. Uh, that show was tremendous. The women's War Games was great. The men's war games was insane. I still can't believe the finish of that match. I mean, it was as safe as that could be, but that's a, that's a that's a high bar anyway. But just absolutely astonishing. I thought that the Dakota Kai turn worked. It wasn't, like, overly surprising. It made sense, but it clicked. I thought that Dunn and Damian Priest in that three-way... Um, who am I missing that was in that match with them? Was that Roddy? It was uh, Killian Day. Killian Day, that went a little long for my taste, but that's that's a, a very middling complaint. Nothing on that show to me was as good as the revival and O'Reilly and Fish was on NXT last Wednesday on TV. But that would that match was made for me, and I loved everything about it except bad camera work that missed the finish and missed a couple of other things that happened. And there was one botch in the match, but. That that's a match I just wanted never to end. I'm never going to chant fight forever because I think it's insane. But that's one where I was just like, this wants to keep on going. This one can keep on going. But TakeOver was great. But there's a black cloud, unfortunately, over top of TakeOver that has nothing to do with any of the people that were on that show. It has to do with, let's just be real about this. At this point in time, Corey Graves is a douchebag, right?
1: I don't think there's any question. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't know how to
0: mince words even better. He's a douche.
1: I don't think we need, and honestly, I don't think we needed his tweets about Mauro Ronaldo from Saturday to confirm that. Like, it's pretty, it's been pretty clear for a while now that that's that's the road that he's taken. Um, But we, you know, we, it's been well documented, uh, the mental health issues that Mauro Ronaldo has had. And, you know, we, covered this story in great detail when it happened the first time. JBL. Uh, if you if you remember, yeah, Mauro Ronaldo and JBL were the first uh, broadcast booth for the rebooted SmackDown uh, on USA, and that didn't last long because JBL is a bit of a douchebag and <laughs> treated <laughs> Morro that way and Mauro uh, you know, it's it, it's it's hard, like, if you don't know what people that have mental health issues are going through it's hard you know it's hard to put yourselves in that shoe in their shoes like you don't know how these people are going to react like these are legitimate sicknesses and like they don't react the same way that you and I react you know
0: yeah and Corey Graves knew it because everyone knew it I think Morrow had even tweeted out look I'm having a tough weekend I'm having a tough week right now with my bipolar disorder, all of that. And this is the chance where Corey decided he was going to go ahead and do this. Corey Graves, a couple of months ago, I'm not exactly sure when it happened, but I I heard someone actually quote this. He ta- he wrote about mental health on Twitter and, and talked about how, look, you should just be encouraging and all these things because you don't know how hard depression is and how hard these things are to get over. And then he does this. And then his apology, which actually came out today as we're recording this or it was released kind of this morning, I can't do air quotes behind a microphone, but that's what this was. This wasn't an, he didn't apologize tomorrow, first of all, ever, he still has not. And he basically asserted that he's just trying to stir up controversy with these hot takes and that's what he was doing and that. People don't understand the wrestling business when they criticize him because he's just being a heel and he's stirring it up. That might be the lamest excuse I've ever heard. And if it's not an excuse, if it's actually true, then Corey Graves is dumber than I thought.
1: Yeah, and it was sort of one of those classic those, those classic apologies that you see these days that are just like, if you were offended by it, right? I apologize. Which is not an apology at all. Like, Let's be real here. Um but Corey Graves has the capacity to be very good at this job. Like I, I think, especially when he was first starting doing this job, he was legitimately pretty good at it. I think maybe the praise and adulation that he got from those early days has gone directly to his head because the last six months of Corey Graves has been some of the more insufferable commentary in wrestling history. Like this dude, like he could say that he's being a heel. He can say he's being Bobby the brain Heenan, but at least Bobby the brain Heenan was good.
0: Yes. The, The only like one theory that's out there is he's trying to get his podcast over and Morrow is in on this and they're working this angle together. And Graves has done this in the past with another announcer in the situation and and some have pointed that out. I will say one thing about Mario Ronaldo that I do find troubling for him. Somebody with bipolar disorder that is this sensitive to criticisms and this sensitive to tactics anything really that isn't positive that can't handle that. And that's okay. Like some of us can't. You know, some of us can't deal with that. Then, man alive, he should not be on social media. He should that be nowhere near them. Media. Yeah, well, not anymore. I mean, he, yeah, he
1: deleted his Twitter account, but like that guy retweets yes. during shows.
0: Correct. Like that, that to me doesn't wash. That's the last place that someone like that should be. Like, I'm not, and it, it sounds like I'm being harsh here. I'm not. I'm just saying if you can't handle criticism, then don't put yourself in a position to see it when you can avoid it. Like, you can go on Twitter and follow people, and I know you want to engage in things. I don't know what the balance is here. I just know that Maro Ranallo has gone home a few times because of criticisms in the company from colleagues. So he's, he, it's not that he's thin-skinned. It's just part of the, the mental makeup and the bipolar disorder and how things affect him harshly. Twitter ain't a place to be if you can't handle criticism. And that well, doesn't sure. that doesn't excuse Corey Graves, not not in any respect, unless this whole thing is a work. But I think is I, the problem for me is just that Corey has increasingly over the past year or so, really in particular, just kind of gone down the toilet bowl in many respects. And he's another guy that doesn't like to be criticized on social media.
1: Yeah, and I don't think that, like what Corey Graves said on Twitter are probably, it's probably things that other people have said to oh, Mauro yeah. Ronaldo on Twitter. Like, even us, we have tweeted that, you know, we find sometimes we find his pop culture references to be forced and, and like, too much sometimes. Like, we've tweeted that. I've tweeted that. Yes. I don't know that you have, but I have.
0: Yeah, no, we both um, have.
1: But, like, the the two times that you could say that Maro Ronaldo, quote-unquote, went home, it's when coworkers did it, so it's it's one of those things where like I'm sure Morrow sees criticism on social media all the time, but when it's coming from people that are colleagues, the people who you're supposed to like and respect and support, like, yeah, I could see where that would be a little troubling. Yeah. It it's not, it's not some random egg on Twitter at that point. There's no, a face behind it, and that no. face works in the same company that you do.
0: Yeah, and there's also one other thing, which is even if he didn't have Twitter, he would have found out about this. Right. Someone would have told him, hey, man, Corey Graves is going after you right now. But the larger issue for me is just, can Morrow hack this job? Because... That was a big opportunity. that he, he just went home. I mean, he and Frank Shamrock just rolled out before Survivor Series. And if you want to talk about who it really hurt, it really hurt Adam Cole and Pete Dunn because Michael Cole had to step in cold, basically, and handle that. And look, he's a pro, so he knows what he's doing. But at the same time, Cole calling that match and Morrow are vastly different.
1: Yeah, no question. But listen... Morrow has proven himself to be probably the number 1 announcer not in not just in professional wrestling but combat sports like he still does boxing on Showtime he was obviously the voice of pride like this dude quite frankly doesn't need this job like he, he can go call Deontay Wilder fights and all the all of the title fights that he wants on showtime. He can easily do that and just leave professional wrestling in his rear view. And I kind of feel like that's how he approaches this thing. It's a it's a passion project for him. That's why he's still doing NXT. Like I, I feel like he could have easily walked away and oh, like,
0: yeah.
1: after after the thing with JBL happened. But he went to a more supportive environment, what's supposed to be a more supportive environment, down in Orlando at Full Sail with NXT, just because he loves doing professional wrestling. He doesn't need this job. That's the thing. He doesn't need it.
0: Yeah, it's bad optics for Corey Graves one way or the other. If he's playing heel and nobody else knows it, and he's just trying to stir up stuff, that's bad. That's a bad look for him, especially in this climate with, I still think, how beloved Morrow is and how people understand what bipolar disorder means. That wasn't the only controversy that's happened in pro wrestling over the last couple of weeks. Another one that I wanted to discuss is Jim Cornette leaving the NWA, resigning from the NWA in the wake of the comment about Ethiopians that he made that had to be taken down off the episode of Power weeks after it was recorded and weeks after many people had seen it. And I think at this point... If you hire Jim Cornette, you know what you're going to get. This shouldn't surprise anybody inside the National Wrestling Alliance that he did this. This is like a couple of times he had said some things in this frame of mind. And he comes from a different place. He's a super liberal guy, but he also manages to go down this pathway in many ways that are not particularly conducive in 2019. He's an abrasive personality. That's 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 who he is this deal to me i don't i don't know how i feel about it because look i heard all of those jokes as well when i was in middle school and high school and his reasoning was that it came from the starvation in ethiopia and what it meant at the time in the 80s and how it was used and it was an old joke and it's an antiquated deal and sam kennison used to say it and you know, a lot of other people used to say it. All those things are true. I guess the only thing is in 2019, you've got to be more cognizant, especially if you're Jim Cornette, because Jim Cornette has made enemies of this hardcore wrestling, new style pro wrestling audience that hate the fact that he doesn't like Kenny Omega and that he goes after the Young Bucks and all of this. So he, of all people, has to be conscious of the fact that a show that airs only on the internet. On YouTube and draws in this same kind of a niche crowd, I believe they are going to go after him for the smallest thing possible because they flat out don't like him and want to harm him
1: yeah it's, it's you know this is not airing on t n t on on u s a like this is a very extremely. Niche product that are pretty much only exclusively watched by people like us, the hardcore wrestling fan base. This is not; people are not flipping through the channels and just stopping on NWA Power because that's that's not how this show is consumed. This is also, you know, I didn't exactly follow this story closely. I I watched the clip. I agree that that you know that line. I don't. I, I don't really care that you used it in 1986 or whenever you used it. It just doesn't really have a place in 2019. Uh, you can you could say it's starvation or whatever. You could say you're referencing starvation, but the fact that you put fried chicken on it and not some other – any other food whatsoever kind of tells you that that's, that's a bit of a BS excuse. This is also a failure of everybody that watched this show before it actually hit the internet. No doubt.
0: I mean, how many people saw this and it didn't register to them at all? The one thing about it is the chicken thing that you just mentioned. That makes it 10 times worse. But when I first heard it, I didn't even pick up on that. All I heard was the Ethiopian side of it. I did not even hear the chicken portion. And then I heard that. And then somebody then mentioned, yeah, that's your problem right there. It's Ethiopia and this and all this. And I get that. But I actually buy Cornette. Not meaning it to be intended that way. Now that look, ignorance is no excuse in this case. I understand the problems involved here, but I'm not willing to jump to the conclusion on this one that Jim Cornette used chicken intentionally in a negative fashion. I know it's a complex issue, and Cornette has many things that you can criticize him for. I just I don't think that he was intending to be racist with that particular comparison.
1: And may- maybe not but yeah like that that line just doesn't fly in 2019 just no. like, flat out it does not fly in 2019 like you could you could say that yeah this well i, I said this 35 years ago on television yeah you know our sensibilities 35 years ago were completely different yes. than what we our sensibilities now so there there's fault on multiple fronts like i, I didn't really it, when it first popped off when i first saw it i didn't know that this was a taped show yes. like Taped weeks in advance yes. type of show. Like, I know it's a taped show, but I like if you're doing four or five episodes in one shot, right. which is how NWA Power kind of handles it. So you've got this thing in the can for probably close to a month, and all of the editors that went through this and that didn't register to them, like, that's a failure on their part, too. Yes. Like, this is not just a strictly Jim Cornette thing.
0: Correct. It's not, but he's gone now, and. He was really good on that show. And he look he's good in that role anyway. But that 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 did seem very made for the kind of wrestling that he appreciates and he knows how to do studio wrestling. So we'll see how Power replaces him in the future. Uh it's a loss, but look, Cornette's going to do that. That's that's part and parcel. That's who you get and that's probably not okay. And especially in cancel culture, you've seen a lot of people say it's time to cancel Jim Cornette and maybe they will. And maybe that'll be the last time that he does anything of real note, you know, outside of something very small or the stuff that he does on his own with his podcast and things like that. One of his huge targets has been not all of it because he he evaluates the stuff he likes and dislikes, but he's talked about all elite wrestling. I do want to talk about AEW last week was sort of the best of both worlds because you got the real good and you got the real bad. Uh, the Jericho segment with Scorpio Sky was really good, even though it did seem a little contrived and obvious. It was well-scripted, though, so it didn't matter. And Sky executed it beautifully. All of SCU did. And Jericho was right there. It was really good. Um, and you had a good main event. The The opener with Nick Jackson and Ray Phoenix was an incredible showcase that I had no investment in the winner because I just knew eventually one of these spots is going to win it, but it doesn't matter how big the spot is because they're probably still going to kick out of it. They're just going to go until they don't want to go anymore, and then whoever's supposed to win it is going to hit a move and win it because there were at least 15 finishers just in the back half alone. That's what, To me, I like Revival, O'Reilly, and Fish way more than I like Nick Jackson and Ray Phoenix. As much as I appreciated watching that for what it was, that to me was so hard to get invested in. I don't care how excited the crowd was live; that just seemed like I was watching Cirque des Soleil.
1: Yeah, um, I probably didn't look at it as harshly as you did. I was still pretty entertained. Oh, by I'm it. not saying I wasn't entertained uh, by it. it. It was it was hard to to kind of get invested in it because not only not only for all the reasons that you just listed out, but Like, we know that these two are going to go back to their tag teams after this match occurs, and those two tag teams are not currently feuding. So it was kind of sort of just a a match that was thrown together almost for the express purpose of these two dudes are going to do crazy stuff, watch them do crazy stuff. And for all – the you know, we kind of cracked on WWE for not having any stakes and the brand supremacy stuff being – A crock of crap. Yeah. This this match clearly didn't have any stakes whatsoever either.
0: No, it it didn't. It was definitely a, here's a dream match. We're going to open our show with it because we know that they're going to bring out main roster talent with Survivor Series. And they did. I mean, NXT opened with Becky Lynch. They went as hard as they could. And that whole show was basically a main roster show with NXT talent as well. Like, it was It was throwing everything at the wall to beat AEW, which they did, not in the key demos, but they did by 25,000 viewers overall. So I said the best and the worst. Uh, just about an hour from now, I guess, is Dynamite. And Dynamite's absolutely loaded tonight. There's two title matches on NXT. But, I mean, huge matches. Omega and Pac, you've got Adam Page and MJF, which I think... To me, that one of, the, one of the matches in AEW so far that I will be most interested in is that. Cody's going to be back on the show. Uh, they're they pulling out all the stops on this. They've got the Jericho celebration, which ought to be very good. It's probably where Cody might emerge again. Who knows exactly where they're going to go there. But there's, there's a lot to like about that show. But you remember when they did Double or Nothing, they had that crazy battle royal. With all the over the top indie gimmicks that haven't worked, that are just embarrassing and show the worst. They did it again last week. They did the same thing on national television with all of these. And this is where Orange Cassidy jumps the shark because what they were doing with him was great. And then they put him in the ring again. And that to me almost ruined it in effect. But you had all of this outlandish stuff that made it so hard to take anything else they were doing seriously and eventually i think they've got to finally stop with the cute stuff if they want to be you know if they want to grow the audience past the the group that was already all in with them no pun intended
1: i like get this is it's sort of like a fundamental like struggle in that company because i think on one hand the reason why we uh praise Cody Rhodes and everything that he's done since the launch of this company so much is because He's sort of taking it more towards a old school uh, athletic competition type, you know, southern type wrestling because that's what he grew up on. On the other hand, they're also trying to get over sort of the PWG crowd, yes, which is like it's like on you can praise them for having something for everybody, but at the same time, like it's it's a bit of a identity crisis because. From match to match, you're not really sure what type of show AEW wants to
0: be. Yeah, they've got to have an identity at some point. And look, when you start trying to please everybody, it's okay to please large groups. But how many people were pleased by that battle royal? If you're pleasing 10 people, you're losing a whole lot of people. At that point, they're going to NXT, and they're turning over, and they're seeing main roster talent and all of these things. You can be everything for everybody But just like I said about the women's division, and I will stick by this, you should not just have a women's division getting 50-50 with the guys because you think that that's the proper thing to do. When they're not ready, you're doing them no favors because everyone's then going to see them not being ready for the spot, not looking good, not looking like stars, not looking like they should be in the ring. You're not giving them a chance to get better first. The best way to serve them is let them get better on AEW Dark or however it is that you can get them matches in ring time. So that when you put them on television and you try to get millions of people to watch them, they are taken seriously and can actually be stars. Because we've seen that in WWE, Dana Brooke. All of these people that you push too fast never had a chance and then as they've gotten better, it doesn't matter because, well, that person sucked last year, so why would I care now?
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that on one hand. But on the other hand, like I, I think WWE's build to Survivor Series uh, kind of uh, illustrates the issue on the other hand as well. Because I, I know that I was guilty of this. I'm not sure. I'm not sure a lot of people were guilty of this. Like, Sarah Logan gets added to the Raw women's team. Right. Sarah Logan has not had a match on Raw since July. And yes, yeah, she's she's gotten a ton of match time because she's basically on main event every week and obviously WWE has the house shows. Like we know Sarah Logan is pretty talented in the ring, but when she's not on television for more than 3 months and all of a sudden you throw her on the Raw women's team on the uh, for Survivor Series like that just welcomes jokes at that point. And so, like, you can you can say that maybe the AEW women's division is getting too much airtime from week to week and maybe they should only be on dark. But then that basically how many people are watching both Dynamite and Dark every week? Because well, I've gotta admit yes. I've watched one episode of Dark. Well the thing is I, I don't I, care I, watched, I
0: don't care if you're watching Britt Baker work on Dark or not it's the fact that she's getting ring time. When they're on Dynamite, they're better served by getting a four-minute match and then give them 15 on dark because you can pick and choose what you want to watch as far as dark. You're not trying to make stars with AEW dark. At this point, that's the only way that you can get them ring time. You have two hours of cable television on TNT on Wednesday nights. Giving Britt Baker 14 minutes where she stumbles and falls and doesn't look good for 14 minutes serves no one, and it certainly doesn't serve TNT. Yeah,
1: I, I can I can agree that maybe they shouldn't have 14 minutes. Maybe they should have six. Right. But the idea of just like not having the women's division on Dynamite does nobody no good because at that like maybe if Britt Baker, since we're using her as the example here. Say she works dark every single week and starts to get better in the ring, but by the she's been off of dynamite for six weeks. By the time she shows back up, nobody cares about
0: it. Yes, and I, there's, there's a delicate balance, and you don't have house show events. You don't have non-televised stuff. I don't even know if you have a training school right now to send her. I just know what she could be, but I know what she's not right now. So I think if you gave them less match time, not that you don't have a division at all, but you should be giving them five-minute matches – something kind of find out who it is that you want to put over. If it's Brit, then put over Brit. If it's Rio, then you put over Rio. No one needs to see Rio and Sakura for 18 minutes at any point. Even if it's good, you 18 minutes is just too long in that scenario. If, If you, you can get somebody over better in four minutes without exposing their flaws and leaving them in there for 10 where you realize, Oh, she doesn't know how to transition. Oh, this submission doesn't look legit. All of that, because it's all about the storytelling. So I think that you've got to be careful with how much television time you give them until they're ready, because I think that you might be harming what they could do for you and do for themselves later on. But I, but again, and then we've talked about it now in the last couple of podcasts, there's not really an easy answer because they don't have the non-televised stuff, which is why I say, you know, put them on dark, just like you did here in Nashville, where you had the tag match with Britt and Rio. And that thing went forever, and it was actually decent. And if it's bad, then it's bad. But giving your television time when you don't have that much television time doesn't seem to make sense. If you had two or three products like WWE, sure. you know, Go ahead and do what you need to do, especially if you don't have a house show. But you have a two-hour show on Wednesday night, and there's a lot of guys that you can't use. Like right now, I think you should get rid of Jimmy Havoc. I know you don't have a lot of depth, but there are some things that you could cut right now that shouldn't be on your television that battle royal when you have two hours it's malpractice it's malfeasance to put that on your television screen for that long and to make it look like billy gunn is the giant star instead of your people at that point in time it does nobody any good so i mean there there are still some things that they're doing wrong although i think the dynamite tonight and nxt are probably both going to be good all right well we usually will probably go longer than this but we just wanted to do something for before the holiday and we want to get as much out. And since, you know, getting studio time this week with getting everything done before everybody wants to leave out means that it's been tough to get a room and we're still working through a couple of, of technical snafus, but uh, happy holidays and, and certainly happy Thanksgiving to you and Angie, Brendan, and we'll we'll do this again. Maybe we can get this done pretty fast between Monday and Wednesday of next week after Raw, and we can see it. We can have another AEW NXT SmackDown Raw that we can discuss early next week and maybe have a little bit more time. And maybe there's still issues that we haven't covered uh, that we can go into more detail. Maybe we'll know more about the Gray's rinaldo situation by that point. Rinaldo's not going to be on NXT tonight, which is sad and not not particularly good for that product either. So there's a, certainly always a lot to get to. but um, So we'll try to pop one of these out again here in five or six days.
1: Yeah, once we can actually uh, find some uh, studio space as you said, and we're we're still working through some things. So this, this McDonald's is still under construction. Yeah, right, right. Drive through is still open like we said last time. Yes. Uh happy Thanksgiving to all the listeners. Uh appreciate you sticking with us. Uh socializing with us every time on Twitter or like Google Hangouts, like this has been a lot of this is fun. And uh, we're taking constructive criticism. We're taking uh, ideas on how to build this thing.
0: Logos song. We want it to be
1: sort of like this collaborative effort. Like, yep. you know, we don't like to be sort of the people in the ivory tower just throwing stones. Like no. we we like to we like to be among the amongst the masses, so to speak. So, yeah, this was a, a lot of fun. Uh, we're still working on it, but uh, hopefully we can bang one out in uh, the next week or so.
0: Follow us at Zone Wrestling. Follow Brandon Hagany at Hag Haney. You can follow David Reed at David Reed Radio. If you got time, it eh, doesn't really matter. But if you got time, you can find me at J Zone. We will talk to you again pretty soon here on Squared Circle Radio, courtesy of 1045 The Zone.